This is the Right Guys Podcast, where we take on the left one day at a time. And now your hosts, Josh Hammerling and Max McGuire. Welcome back. Another episode of the Right Guys Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. I'm Josh Hammerling, and we're back at it. We are back at it. Um, Lots to talk about today. Uh, Towards the end of the show, we will talk about... um, Latest news, Donald Trump being fined by uh, the judge in New York, even though he was talking about Michael Cohen. The judge claims he thought he was talking about one of his staffers, which was not allowed. Got fined. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the House race. We have a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Um, Much better than what we started with. About time. Um, About time. So we'll talk about that towards the end. But the main topic of the show today. Is something that we have um, kind of held off on talking about for a little bit, but mm-hmm. things are moving so fast, fast things are coming down the pike so quickly, we can't really avoid talking about it anymore. And that is the the lawyers and advisors to President Trump are turning on him and taking plea deals and agreeing to be states evidence against him, both in uh, Georgia. And we also have the latest news coming out of the Jack Smith investigation. We have Mark Meadows agreeing to testify against Trump. Um, I can put that on the screen right now. Uh, that that article, uh, ABC News, ex-chief of staff Mark Meadows granted immunity. Tells special counsel he warned Trump about 2020 claims. So Mark Meadows has testified before the grand jury after he was granted immunity by Jack Smith. Chief of staff. Chief of staff. He's the guy that reports to the president and talks with the president and is always with the president. They're connected at the hip, almost more so than the vice president. Yeah. Because his chief of staff is in there every day with every brief. He sees everything that goes on. And when you can turn a guy like that every day in the White House is something you could subpoena them about, especially if it's a record. Right? Imagine having the scrutiny of every day of your job to be a matter of something that can be used on the record. And if you're not careful, you could perjure oneself because the procedure world crime said, I mean, sure, he's got immunity, right? But that's just this particular crime. And they've rolled him, man. They've rolled him hard. I mean, it, it, that isn't, it feels unfair. Like if if I'm Trump's team, I'm thinking, oh, exploit it. Like, oh crap, right? I would. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's interesting. They're building this case that Trump should have known. They're basically building the case that Trump lied. Trump pursued something that he knew to be false, right? Because the defense, the ultimate defense in Trump's case, in all of these cases, was that he wasn't lying. He earnestly believed this. He saw evidence and he gave that evidence credence. And he advanced these efforts to um, to ensure that only legitimate votes were certified, right? And he did that earnestly, legitimately. It only becomes a, a, a crime, when you can prove he didn't actually believe it and was just using this as an effort to get what he wants, that this was more of an ends justify the means rather than Trump earnestly believing it was stolen. And all of the evidence I've seen, putting putting aside the evidence of the election that night, just what Trump has done and said, it all, in from my vantage point, speaks to him legitimately believing this, legitimately wanting to do something about this, Mm-hmm. The only way they can prove 
they can try to prove that he didn't believe it is by having all of these people around him getting them to say that, oh, well, I told Trump this wasn't real. This wasn't true. Now, that doesn't mean that Trump didn't earnestly believe it. That just means that on that issue, he didn't value their uh, input, right? He, he, just because someone is an advisor to the president doesn't mean that the president has to listen to that advisor on everything. You find that most of the time the president doesn't listen to all of his advisors at once. But that's what they're trying to claim, especially with Mark Meadows, that Mark Meadows, chief of staff, warned, say, claiming he warned Trump that, uh, that he was engaging in falsehoods. Um, and that that is probably going to be how they try and build this case against Trump, both there and in Georgia. Because remember, the Georgia bit, all claims, all, all bases, bases itself around this claim that Donald Trump wanted to overturn legitimate results by advancing his own fraud. And we see that when we look at Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis took a plea. Mm -hmm. um, her plea is for aiding and abetting false statements and writings. Jenna Ellis, advisor to the president, one of the lawyers that was on staff for the president's 2020 campaign. She faced a bunch of charges from Fannie Willis in Georgia. She pled guilty to one count of aiding and abetting false statements and writings. So what this does for the Georgia prosecutor is that when she gets to trial for Trump, Trump says, I didn't make any false statements. She turns to the jury and says, well, your lawyer pled guilty, admitting that, that she made false statements on your behalf. But that isn't actually what this is, right? When you get Correct. when you when you overload the charges and threaten to put someone away for decades and they say, OK, I'll plead down for a misdemeanor. You were saying before we started, what, what's the punishment that they've been giving out? Five years probation, five thousand dollars, five to six. Right. They're, they're yeah. Be out there. But CNN had the five thousand dollar. I always go and look at the liberal one because they love to pump up about the value anyway. But five thousand bucks. I mean, that's nothing, Max. Five years probation on the other side of it. You're OK. Right. Yeah. And that, like, doesn't the president have the power and the immunity to issue to his people something that he wants them to investigate? And where it leads is where it leads. Yeah. Which means yeah. that they're trying to punish him for him doing his job. Well, they are trying to punish him because the attorneys that he hired and he used and utilized um, apparently weren't good at their jobs. I mean, like this isn't a situation where you have a mobster yeah. hiring an attorney yeah. Yeah. to very obviously do something illegal. Like, oh, go shut them up. Oh, go bribe this official, right? Now, yeah. this is a, this is a client who says, "I've been cheated. I've I've been stolen yeah. from." Attorneys go out and fight this, fight this, and yeah. you see this is all moving really quickly after the 2020 election because yeah. you have very hard, concrete deadlines that you have to you have to meet to fight allegations of fraud um, because if you miss the certification it's over right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they're moving fast they're pulling every report and every um every whistleblower account that they can throwing it into the pot and going before the court and says look what we've got and you do that knowing that this is all happening really fast something might be off something might be a little bit incorrect but you go forward with your best effort believing that what you have in that pile is true Right. Yeah. What they're now claiming is that, oh, well, things in that pile of evidence you submitted 
weren't true. And even though you didn't know it was true at the time, we're going to accuse you of knowing it it was untrue at the time Mm. and charge you with lying. That's that's what this whole claim in Georgia is about. Yeah. And the things that they're claiming, we we covered this on the show a a couple weeks ago. Mm. When you actually see these reports and and these uh, things that Donald Trump said, uh, saying you see the reports they filed with the courts, they were very careful to use language that would prevent them from being like put in like a perjury trap. They, they didn't give exact numbers so they couldn't be accused of lying or getting it off. They would say as many as like they say, we have evidence to suggest that as many as 1000 dead people voted, you know, things like that. So that if the court comes back and says, actually we found 12, you say, well, we suggested that it could be as many as we didn't say it was definitively. They use as many as uh, uh, approximately, like almost, right? All this language designed to protect them from being accused of giving definitively false numbers is just being completely ignored. And uh, it's kind of like the Donald Trump's fraud trial in New York where he submitted his valuation of his companies with a big, bold disclaimer. This is our valuation. You should do your due diligence um, do not use this for what you are deciding. Send an appraiser out to do your own appraisal. But this yeah. is what we value it as. Um, that's being completely ignored. And they are they're making accusations that just aren't true. Just aren't true. Imagine that you have to go after the President of the United States using his own staff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the... <clears throat> The gravity of that is crazy. That means any president moving forward, if the other side gets mad, you just have to start rolling on their people for made up crime. I mean, made up crimes. Yeah. This sets a precedence that is dangerous in our country. It, it could destabilize presidencies moving forward. You know, they don't realize the the, the long term ramifications of, of acting on a former president, who no, most likely would have. That overturn in the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court would have to come into the presidential immunities, right? Yes, they, that yes, would be my would. guess. Otherwise, again, the president could be charged for anything and everything, just acting within the duties of the president of the United States within the presidency, right, Max? It would be, mm-hmm. it'd be foolish. It would be stupid. It, it, it's it's dang, It's just not dangerous. It's like it's undermining the very fabric of our, our republic. So there, there's two different there's two different hats that they're wearing simultaneously, right? They're wearing obviously the Donald Trump for president 2020 hat, but Donald Trump was also the president, and even though he is running for re-election as president, he does have an interest as a as a leg- as a uh, as an, the chief executive of the country. He has mm-hmm. an interest in making sure that elections aren't fraudulent. Correct. So to say that these conversations are solely and only to benefit his campaign is to suggest that he doesn't care about the effects they would have on the country, which is ludicrous. And we remember, and if everyone remembers, I'll throw it up on the screen. This was act five from that long indictment that they, that they uh, brought in Georgia. Uh, And it says on or about the 20th day of November, Donald Trump and Mark Meadows met with the majority leader of the Michigan Senate. Michael Shirkley, Speaker of the Michigan House of Representatives Lee Chatfield, and other Michigan legislators in the Oval Office of the White House. And Donald Trump made false statements concerning fraud. (laughs) 
this meeting was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Their their accusations against Mark Meadows is that when Donald Trump turned to him and said, set up a meeting with the Speaker of the House and the President of the Michigan Senate and bring them to the Oval Office, that that secretarial duty was criminal. It's, it's ludicrous. It's beyond crazy. They're acting within the, 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 the confines and the responsibilities of their offices. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you do it? And the only thing I can think of is, man, it, how, how far away for, are we from the 2024 election? How many uh, days? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, how often are they going to be on the campaign trail? How often can you pull someone away? Right? I mean, if you were to just jail your, your opponent for just 10 days, just 10 days off the trail, Max, imagine the kind of effect that could have in swing states. Right. Imagine the yeah. effect that you could have with voters that, who now suddenly see Trump as a bad guy or a good guy that he went to jail. I mean, I can swing both ways. We don't know. I'm still of the opinion. We've talked about this, that I think he wants to go to jail. So he's going to he's going to purposely say things that are going to really elevate that. See how far it gets. So wait for the uh, the Trump campaign from the a Georgia jail. Right. <laughs> and it could be real. I mean, it could yeah. be the first time you have a like a video camera in there recording the former president on the campaign trail in jail. I mean. I still think that's a statement, but that's that's what that's what we're looking at here is groups that are are we always say and it's sounding cliche, but they've weaponized the entire yeah. Justice Department, right? Oh, to go after know. the executive. Yeah. They're using yeah. the justice to go after the executive. I mean, think about that. Like, oh, the executive the, branch. The, the, fall, the false statements argument. They're actually making claims in Georgia that when Donald Trump picked up the phone as president of the United States and called the governor of Georgia called the secretary of state of Georgia and said the numbers and the statistics that his team was finding mm -hmm. that because what he said at the time, even though he believed them to be true, might not have been completely accurate when all was said and done. They're saying that picking up the phone and talking to the secretary of state and telling him something that's not true is a crime. <clears throat> that's, that's insane. Imagine this, imagine this hypothetical. Donald Trump's in office as president. He picks up the phone and calls Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Okay. And he says, Greg, you've got to help me secure the border. We've got terrorists coming across the border. That phone call gets leaked and a Democrat prosecutor in Austin, Austin, Texas, decides to prosecute the president for submitting a false statement to a government official. And they say that President said that, that President Trump said that terrorists were coming across. But what the truth is is that suspected terrorists are coming across the border, and he has not presented any proof that there were terrorists, and therefore that was a lie. I mean, procedural lie. That is what they are doing. That is the equivalent of what they are doing here. Donald Trump tells the Secretary of State, ten thousand dead people voted." Right. Weeks later, yeah. they finally crunch the numbers and say, oh, no, actually, some of those people just had the same names as other people who had died. Right. Um, some of them, we thought they were dead, but they really aren't dead. Um, so the real number is much lower. Well, that's not the standard. The, the standard that's applied to a false statement is what you knew at the time, not what you know later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's why you investigate those things. You find that's out. Why you investigate. That's why you send the, That's why you send your people. And if the Trump campaign had actually gotten a court to hear their case and decide on the merits, that would be an opportunity for them to lay out all of this evidence. And maybe it isn't convincing. Maybe it gets disproven by the other side saying, actually, no, their data's off. That happens all the time in court cases. 
But the courts refused to hear these cases on the merits, referred to actually refused to actually allow witness testimony to be presented to the court in person, uh, uh, refused to allow all this data to be presented and cross-examined. So Donald Trump was denied the ability to put forward an argument in court that his data was true. And instead, what you have now is years later, a county prosecutor trying to throw him in prison by arguing that the data he had submitted years ago is now provably false or, or not completely accurate. That, that, that's supposed to happen in court. Yeah. It's supposed to happen in court. It's, it's, well, this is weaker than lemonade at the circus. You know what I mean? Like I had pretty the, good the reasoning behind it. Have you? I had some, I yeah. don't know. It's great. It's an old fashioned statement, but yeah. the, like the, the idea is that they have, like, it's like pre crime, right? We know you were going to, it's a pre crime situation. Yeah. Oh, you made this happen or it's going to happen. And now we want to charge you for it. I, what court would allow this to move forward? I mean, would yeah. a judge not want to see this and be like, are, are, are you genuinely crazy? Unless, you know, they're, they're radicalized in some way. I don't know. I'm not making that claim. I just don't want to be thrown in the jail by the judge for whatever reason. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, All who the in the right mind would follow this? And when you actually track down who made these claims, these reports, we had a lot of them on our old show. Yeah, as I guests, know. conservative daily podcast. We were over there. We had them on as guests, and they were not liars. They earnestly believed. They they did these whole reports, looked yeah. at the data, made their conclusions, and then they vehemently defended their conclusions. Mm-hmm. So th- these weren't fraudsters who were making data up. They they vehemently believed it. So we're in a situation now where had these claims been allowed to be be argued in court with these experts brought in to testify, even if they were in, in the court's eyes determined to be false or, or, or not believable, right? Those experts wouldn't be prosecuted for that. Losing a court argument isn't an automatic go to jail like you're playing Monopoly. Right? No, you, you, you yeah. present your case earnestly and, and honestly. And if you lose, you lose. Yeah. Right? But they're trying to take that out of the equation entirely and say, no, you don't get your day in court. You don't get to actually prove it. And instead, we are just going to declare that it was false from the get go and charge you with it. Right. And as like a RICO case, it's like they want people to think of Donald Trump as a gangster, as a mob boss. Yeah. You know, that's all I could think, because if you can't get the big guy, which they know they can't, you know, they're going to try all the underlings to try to, to roll over on him yeah. and make it happen. And you know, when it was. um, I forget his name. It's escaping me on the moment. He used to be at Fox. He got fired recently. Oh, Tucker. Uh, Tucker Carlson, right? Yeah. He's on a show. He's like, if they can't knock you out because of an election, they can't take you out in the courts. You know, the next natural step is to go after you yeah. in, a, in a safety way, right? I mean, th- yeah. this is like the last gasp before they try something like that. Because if this doesn't stick, I mean, what else? What's going to be next? And yeah, one has to, we have to look at those two possibilities. If it does stick and the president goes, or Donald Trump goes to jail, what does that look like for his campaign? What does that look like for the country? And if he does prevail, what does that look like for the country, right? Because I don't think they realize they're gonna if they do this, they're gonna turn him into a Nelson Mandela figure. 
oh, someone yeah. who went to jail for their convictions and comes out 10 times Correct. stronger than they yeah. ever were before. Um, they could create a whole culture around this. Like it could yeah. be even bigger than they, they realize. Right. And this could be the biggest shot in the foot. The democratic party has ever done, or at least liberals. Yeah, no, they could, uh, if Donald Trump manages this well, he could, he, he could, no one wants him to go to jail, right? But we, we've yeah. talked in private, like, just imagine that as he's being booked, he turns to a camera and he just says, like, F the DOJ, almost like yeah. an F the police. Right. The, the street cred you get from that would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you don't go to prison for a good t-shirt slogan, obviously. Yeah. But, um... I, they are they are underestimating how beneficial this whole thing has been for Trump. But what I I think that they estimated pretty well was that if they charge all of Trump's attorneys, I think they correctly estimated that by overcharging people like Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheeseborough, that they would be able to pressure them into flipping. Those were three attorneys who worked with Donald Trump, his campaign, on these efforts. I know I don't know Jenna Ellis personally. She was in Colorado when I was in Colorado. We used to go on OAN on like back-to-back segments. So I'd like shoot her messages, say, hey, good segment. And she said, thank you, things like that. But we never met each other personally. She's always taken me as someone who's pretty honest, pretty uh, steadfast in her convictions, with the exception being the last year or two when she has just completely turned on Trump and became uh, a Ron DeSantis uh, fangirl. All of my belief that she was generally an honest person has disappeared, though, because as part of her plea deal, pleading guilty to one count of basically soliciting a false statement or giving a false statement, part of her plea deal was that she had to give an apology, apology to the people of Georgia. And I want to play this apology video, and then we're going to do a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a back to the future thing. We're going to go back and read her tweets at the time and ask whether this apology rings true with what she said. Here we go. Understand that the conditions of this plea involves five years of probation, that you pay $5,000 of restitution to the Georgia Secretary of State within 30 days. And it's in my understanding that you're asking to be treated as a first offender. Yes. Do you understand that special conditions of this probation is that you complete 100 hours of community service? that you write an apology letter to the citizens of the state of Georgia, which you have already done, and the state will um, put that into evidence at State's Exhibit 1 for the court. That you testify truthfully at all hearings or trials involving co-defendants, that you have no communication with co-defendants, witnesses, or the media until all cases have been closed. Yes that you must continue to provide additional recorded statements and affidavits to the state as required, that you must also continue to provide any requested I'm going to fast forward here. I think I grabbed the wrong one. Josh, can you find the video of her doing her apology? Um, find the video, pull it off of Twitter. Um, so I'll, I'll, I apologize. I grabbed the wrong one. I had a couple of them saved on my computer. Her apology basically goes that she never meant to do any of this. She never meant to lie about the 2020 election being stolen and that she had just been given bad information and she had relied on the wrong people. She had trusted the wrong people to help her out. Um, That is basically the gist of it. And as we'll go through when we go through her statements and her tweets 
and maybe even some of her on-air appearances, it is very obvious that this was not her being hoodwinked. This was not her being pressured or tricked into thinking these things. Some of these tweets contain genuine analysis from her looking at data and making her own conclusions. So it, it, I lost, I, I had, I lost a lot of respect for Jenna Ellis when she decided to become a Ron DeSantis fangirl and pressured and go against Donald Trump for all the opportunities he gave her. That was, that was terrible. But any respect I had for her left goes out the window when your explanation for why you fought election fraud was that you were misled. Sorry, I had my mic. I was sitting there like, Mike, Max, I got it, I got it. Here we go. To address the court. Can you hear that? As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously. And I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I don't know. Do you know? Hold on, Max. Is I don't this? Believe it. Hold on. Let, let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me ask you this: Is this a situation where there should be? There's like guns pointed to her head, and she like you feel like she's has to make this statement. You know oh, what I mean? she does. Like I mean, being completely honest, I think as as earnest and as <coughs> as earnest as we all are, that we would say we would fight to the very end, right? Recognize that if she was to be convicted of all the charges against her, she would spend years in prison she'd be disbarred yeah yeah so like the consequences for losing are significant and they stack those charges that way on purpose the the power of the state is tremendous they have unlimited amount of resources to throw the entire weight of the government against you and even someone like her who collected two hundred and sixteen thousand dollars of donations uh even someone like her can feel that way two hundred sixteen thousand um that's That's the other lot of money that's the other side of this, uh, $216,000. The other side of this is when Jenna Ellis was indicted, she came running to Donald Trump's campaign, Donald Trump himself, asking, begging for him to pay her legal fees. Mm. And so the question is, did she always intend to turn state's evidence? Did she always intend to give a plea deal and agree to testify against Trump? Because if she always intended that, to then go to Donald Trump and ask for him to finance the very knife that she intends to stab him in the back with, that is beyond scummy. And to go to the American people, to, to go to conservatives and say, fund my, campaign, fund my, uh, my defense, if she was saying that knowing she intended to go towards a plea deal that, again, would stab Trump in the back— Beyond scummy to solicit donations to then stab the president in the back. 
Um, I mean, am I am I off anywhere? She begs for money. How much does it cost to for the? I mean, what was her actual lawyer costs then? I mean, does it cost two hundred grand to? Well, we might not see. We might not see. They they have no obligation to turn that over. No. Um, I have a hard time believing that in two months they could run through two hundred thousand dollars, where the only thing they accomplished was negotiating a plea deal. Um, that seems like pretty hard to do. What if, I mean, if you got two lawyers on it, $200 an hour and they bill you 40 hours a week, I mean, I don't think it's coming out to, I think it'd be hard. I think it'd be hard even at that to have, even if they work every work day, it's hard to see how that comes out to 200 grand. Where's the money, Josh? Where's the money? Now you've got me thinking about that, right? Where's the beef? Oh, I mean, that would be scummy. I mean, that would be like low, like to know that you were going to turn yeah. and still ask for money. And, and listen, when when that happens, when there are co-defendants and or even witnesses who who ask someone else for money or someone else volunteers to pay their legal fees, one of the things that has to happen ethically that that it, like if 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 we were both being prosecuted together and you said, Max, pay my legal fees. I can't just send you a check. Your lawyer would force me to sign a waiver. Mm-hmm. And that would be understanding that even though I'd be paying their bill, that they don't represent me. Mm-hmm. So when you pay someone else's legal bills, their lawyer will force you to either sign it or at least acknowledge that you are not the client in that attorney-client relationship. And that it is possible that in doing that, it might be in the best interest of the that defendant to go against you, right? So if you agree to pay someone's legal fees, you have no right to decide what their legal defense is. Mm-hmm. You have no right. right. You're just the <clears throat> person signing the check. $64,000 in two months is what it would cost if they were doing 40 hours a week. Yeah, two attorneys. Two, that's two attorneys, right? Two attorneys, yeah. $64,000. That's a good chunk of change if you can get it. Like if you're the attorney, yeah. that's that's good. But you said 230000 $216,000. Where's wow. the beef? We got to get, get the Wendy's girl on it. Where's the beef? Where's the money? That'd be like $152,000 of unaccounted for money. That's a lot of money. Well, that would be a I heck mean, of a payday, too. The other yeah. side of it, that she still needs an attorney because she's still going to have to go through this process of being yeah. a witness. So she's still entitled yeah. to an attorney. But... Wouldn't it be kind of interesting if she's making this pledge to conservatives, I want to fight this corrupt prosecution, and three-quarters of the money ends up going towards helping her be a state witness? Right? I mean, like, I didn't donate to her because, again, she's a Ron DeSantis kind of simp these days. Um, But uh, you can see the writing on the wall, what she's been posting about Donald Trump. The question I have is, let's let, let's ask ourselves that apology, that apology of "I'm sorry, I listened to people I shouldn't have listened to." Remember, that's not a crime. Being tricked or be or or getting bad information is not itself a crime, right? The criminal aspect of of making a false statement isn't that you made something that happened to be false. You made a statement that happened to be false. The standard is that you made a statement that you knew to be false. 
That's the standard for there to be a criminal prosecution. Or you exhibited such gross negligence that you should have known it was false. That's kind of what they're getting at with this. But let, let, let's go through some of her tweets. I went into Twitter, now X, and I went ahead and did an advanced search, which I just found out about today. I didn't know you could do advanced searches. I love it. I'm, I've always been scrolling through people's feeds. You can search by word, by multiple words. So I did like fraud, stolen, 2020 election, ballot, ballots, all these kind of words just to see what she was tweeting in mm -hmm. the two months in and around the election. So she put out this legal team statement condemning Bill Barr for not investigating election fraud. Let me zoom out a little bit. It's a little bit too big. She went on, well, that was before mm -hmm. the election. Mm -hmm. oh, no, no, sorry, that was election day. Went mm -hmm. on saying that the Constitution requires every legal, legitimate vote to count. Make no mistake. Democrats want fraud to count. That's not our system. Team Trump is fighting back. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Sorry, uh, that Ooh. doesn't feel like you were duped. That feels yeah. like, like, that's not really a dupe statement. I mean, was this she one, leading the charge? I don't know. Remember this? Remember this image of oh, the spikes? Yeah. Of the spikes yeah. in, uh, in Georgia that happened to line up right around the time that these election workers are pulling things out from under desks and running them through, through scanners, which also just happens to coincide with the same time that they weren't supposed to be counting ballots because mm -hmm. they had told the election observers and the media that they were done for the night because there had been a pipe burst. Burst? And they were covering the windows? Uh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, that was in Detroit. But oh, here, they, they just said, oh, pipe burst, gotta go home, right. we're done for the night. And then once they're all gone, they start running these ballots through scanners. It's not a crime to look at all this evidence around you and say, yeah, th th this is, uh, this is, this is fraudulent F simply for the, the, the sheer reason that you're not allowed to do this without observers present. And if you send them home saying that you're not going to count ballots anymore, even if all of those ballots are real, it's fraudulent to, to conspire to do that in a way that won't have any oversight. Right? So yeah. she wasn't duped into thinking this. And, and I'm sorry, spare me the I'm a Christian crocodile tears. Like, I'm a Christian. Josh, I, I, I don't want to presume your faith, but I believe you're a Christian too, yeah, right? I am. We're I all am. Christians. That is, that's nothing to do with this. The crocodile yeah. tears of, oh, I was duped. I was duped into thinking that all of these things happening at the same time likely was fraud. No, you, like all of us, have a head on your shoulders, have a brain between your ears, and you can you can see what's happening right in front of you. I don't know. It's like she was a cheerleader more than she was duped. I mean, she was out there talking the talk and walking the walk. She posted yep. about these things. She's proud of it. I mean, if I'm the Trump's legal team, I, I you know I'm gonna I would pick everything I can apart here because what she's saying and what she's doing there look completely different. Yeah, here she is applauding Lee Chatfield who was that uh, legislator from Michigan who met with Trump, who the prosecutor is accusing of participating in this crime, right? Yeah. Um, saying this is the kind of courage that other Republicans Me. should have when dealing yeah. with so much evidence of pervasive fraud. This is not – because let's call the spade a spade. When she's talking about these attorneys that have more years' experience than her, she's probably talking about Sidney uh, Powell. She's probably yeah. talking about Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani, yep. Right? It's pro it seems she seems to be passing the buck on to them. Mm -hmm. 
And yet, when you actually go through this, that wasn't Rudy Giuliani forcing her to post that. No. <coughs> no one had she a gun to... to her head. It's no. not like she had the weight of the uh, the Justice Department coming down on her shoulders to make her do it. She did that, she did that of her own free will. In fact, she believed in it. And she believed in it so much, she was teaming up with these people. And they were all working side hand in hand, most likely. But she, you can make those statements all day, though, Max. Yes. It's not a crime to make Another those one. claims. In Wayne County, Michigan, 71% of their precincts ballot counts don't match the total number of votes. Two board members refused to certify results, then suddenly caved amid threats. America doesn't yield to the mob. An interesting statement to look back at in hindsight now that yeah. she has just caved to the mob. Yeah. But yeah. that was not Rudy Giuliani or Sidney Powell or anyone else putting a gun to her head. She looked at the same data we looked at when we were on our old show. Yeah. And it's a truthful statement that the precinct's ballot counts don't match the total number of votes and that they never rectify that. And that the way the rules are set up is that once they once they certify at the precinct level something that can't be like rectified, you're not allowed to go back and open those bags and, and double check. Mm -hmm. The system is designed with so many loopholes in it to make actually enforcing these requirements impossible. So she wasn't lying then. She was being truthful because that's a truthful statement. Yeah. Everything in that's truthful. But now she's saying, oh, no, that was uh had a gun to my head. Oh, if only I wasn't so naive. You're talking, a lawyer. <laughs> talking about Antrim County, which was yeah. proven to have been a, a, a oopsie daisy in yeah. the software. There was a glitch that had tried to flip Trump votes to Biden votes. And that was rectified. Now they're saying, oh. The, there's a, oh, you can't insinuate that there was anything else wrong. It was just that. We promise it was just that. But it's not incorrect to call out something that happened. Call it something that happened. All you got to do is go after the weak ones, Max. Yeah. No. All you have to do is uh, go after the weak ones to go after the big guy. I'm sorry, Donald Trump. I said big guy. I got confused with Joe Biden taking a bunch of free money from other people. Here she is talking about objecting to the certification of votes and she puts in all caps corruption disenfranchised millions of voters and the entire nation's electoral college process she is a constitutional law attorney she wasn't duped no. she looked at the same evidence we all looked at and she put out a sentence that many of us also put out at the time to get up there and to cry and to say i was just so gullible it was my it's my good heart, my good Christian heart, and my less years of experience that allowed me to be duped by people I shouldn't have trusted. Max, what happened on. in 2016 when everybody was, was denouncing the election for Trump? And people are on television saying that this was a, a, a stolen election without any evidence. When people from all the aisles were saying this is a stolen election, media... Other politicians are are they thus guilty of the same crimes then that this lady is has been or at least pleading guilty to? I mean, where does this begin and where does this end? You know, how broad does this start getting? Anybody that makes a political statement, we can make political statements on this show, and they could they could try to just prosecute us. And whether there was we gotta hope we gotta hope that there's no government official listening to this show because that anything we say. If if a single prosecutor disagrees and we were speaking to that, so oh, it's submitting a false statement, right. it, it's nonsense. It is. It's all nonsense. 
right? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. That means any statement you'd make to anybody, or at least any statement heard by somebody who was in a, you know, a lawyer, a prosecutor, anywhere, could make that claim and try to prosecute you, oh. no matter what the statement is. So that would throw the First Amendment right out the window, and it does. And the only way to try to overcome it is to, to, to bankrupt yourself trying to prove it in court. And there's some people who are up for that fight, and there's those that claim they're up for the fight. And then you see Ellis. I don't think she was... She talked the talk, Max, but she's not walking the walk now. She's just turned. They've all turned. It, it's so depressing because you you remember at this time around the election, we were investigating just with everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. And things are moving yeah. fast. You get something wrong, but that's okay. You got you to gotta investigate to find the truth. And as long as you're comfortable with whatever that truth is, mm-hmm. that's fine. When you investigate and you only really want to prove one thing, that's where it definitely becomes a problem. What I was very uncomfortable with when all this was happening was every time someone would pop up as like a figurehead or a spokesperson for the movement, this cult of personality would develop around them. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember Sydney Powell? Sydney Powell would come out and she would say, We're going to release the Kraken. Mm-hmm. And even if, like, most people didn't know who Sydney Powell was before this. Yeah, not a clue. She came out, out of out of relative nowhere saying that she has all of the receipts and the proof for some outlandish things. And she has this release the crack. And all of a sudden, everyone's, like, her supporter. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about Lynn Wood. I think Lynn Wood is a decent man. I, I, it confuses me to see how many people just put their faith in Lynn Wood. Um, I don't think he's a bad dude, but it genuinely confuses me when I see these fan pages prop up and they're like dissecting Lynn Wood's comments, looking for like hidden symbolism of like true, of of a true message. It's very weird, right? We saw this with some people who appeared on on the last show we were with. A cult of personality emerges. The minute you see someone who says the kind of things you want them, you want to hear, well, you're in their corner. You, you support them. Yeah. Whether or not you really should be or they deserve support. So you look at this, like like Sidney Powell, I'm going to play a clip. You hear this, you can't help but root for her. Right now, that we will not be intimidated. American patriots are fed up with the corruption from the local level to the highest level of our government and we are going to take this country back we are not going to be intimidated we are not going to back down we are going to clean this mess up now president trump won by a landslide we are going to prove it and we are going to reclaim the united states of america for the people who vote for freedom so again bad choice of words for someone who just caved to the other side don't go out front in front of cameras and say we won't back down if you're one of the first people to take a plea deal now Cindy Powell has taken a plea deal she pled guilty I believe five or six crimes five, five or six years probation a couple thousand dollars of fines which the fines alone they're alleged they're, they're accused of stealing trying to steal mm-hmm. an election and the restitution is six grand it's like okay. Not that I want them to be fined more, but it just, it doesn't, the, the punishments they're being served out don't seem to match Mm-mm. what they alleged happened. The only person I think they're going to go after, two people, probably Rudy Giuliani and Trump, because yeah. they're such national figures. 
But <clears throat> something a little interesting <clears throat> is after Sidney Powell pled guilty, she's out on social media and in, in her newsletter saying the 2020 election was rigged and that she was extorted into pleading guilty. Things that she just agreed that she was going to apologize and say didn't happen. So it's very weird. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I was going to come out much more forcefully against Sidney Powell for taking this plea deal. But she hasn't delivered her apology letter yet. And it's going to be hard to, to do an apology letter saying I was duped into believing the 2020 election is stolen when she's putting out new social media posts now. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But um, she's so the only to be person, state's evidence. The only person who has a gag order in this whole thing is Donald Trump. So even the people that are rolling on him can just sit there and tweet and talk and say whatever they want, right? I mean, that 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 sounds like there's there's big problems with that like yeah there's some interests that are being um protected and some interests that aren't right i mean everyone would want to put out there that they're innocent i find that strange max there's just you know there was some sort of there's an corrupting influence that happened to these people it's just they all got on board so fast i don't know what was going on and then they, they come out with these these statements and then here we are later they're all folding like a house of cards you know what i mean yeah. the fear is real and all in an effort to try to undermine Donald Trump. I mean, you know, I don't know where this influence begins, ends, starts. But somebody got in there and made some things happen. Well, I still can't help but notice that there are still some people missing. Um, yep. That there are people who seem to have avoided, at the very least, criminal liability up until this point. And... I hate thinking like this, but seeing everything else that we know about how the deep state, how the DOJ works, um, that uh, didn't we just learn that uh, that Thiel was an asset? Did we just learn that? Oh, this Theo week? in the uh, the Peter January Thiel? 6th stuff. Yeah, I Peter thought Thiel. that was the case. Um, I, I believe that it just came out that he was actually an FBI asset. Mm -hmm. Um, some uh, an FBI informant. Yeah, Peter Thiel was allegedly, reportedly, an FBI informant. He was a big part. I'll put this on the screen. He was a big part of the Trump campaign. Yeah. Former CEO Thiel. of PayPal um, that began in 2021, that he's being brought in as an FBI informant. So knowing all of this, you really have to take a careful look at who hasn't been prosecuted yet. Mm -hmm. And when you see a picture of... Eight people in a room, and seven of those people have already either faced charges or been dragged in to testify to answer for what they did. And there's just like one person chilling in that room, no investigations, no prosecutions, no subpoenas, uh, at least on the criminal side. It makes you wonder, like when when they release the grand jury vote in Georgia, and you see that Lynn Wood wasn't indicted. I don't want him to be indicted. Mm -mm. I don't want anyone to be indicted for this. But then you also hear reports that Linwood has apparently agreed to be state's evidence. And Fannie Willis comes out and says, well, Linwood is one of our strongest witnesses. It makes you wonder. Now, Linwood has said that he does not intend to be a state's witness. He doesn't know what they think he's going to say, but he is not intending to flip or turn on Trump or anything. But just you have to wonder. You have to wonder. And when you realize just how many people are 
not being prosecuted, not being subpoenaed, not being dragged in to testify, it makes you wonder why. What yeah. makes them special? It's like the Ray Epps effect, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. everyone in the mob, it, when everyone in that, not mob, everyone in that group of people is being prosecuted, except for the one person mm-hmm. who most vocally is saying, storm the Capitol, storm the Capitol. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Crosses my mind every day. And I'm not speaking about anyone in particular. It just makes me wonder. Yeah. Just makes you wonder. Oh, my. The politics. I mean, at least we got a Speaker of the House today. At least we did. And let's so, talk about that. Let's talk about kind of like a bright side, man. Because I didn't think it was going to happen today. Honestly, I thought we were going to go two more weeks. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I thought it was going to be delayed until winter. Yeah. So here we go. You know? <laughs> Mike Johnson, representative from Louisiana, he has a 74% rating this session. I believe it's 80% over his entire career of yeah. conservative voting. And that's his Liberty score. Mm. Um, I, I pulled up the Liberty scores for the other people just so we can see what we left, what we, what we got away from and what we got now. So Kevin McCarthy was a 54%, 54%. So he had somehow, so someone who was not even like barely majority conservative, yeah. uh, almost more liberal than conservative. Dude, he's California conservative. Yeah. I mean, it's almost liberal. <laughs> it's yeah. California conservative. And that, that's a real statement. There are conservatives yeah. that come out of California. You're still just like, well, dude, you're, you're pretty liberal. Then we got Scalise, who was 58. Now, I like Scalise on a lot of things. I appreciate that he was almost killed by a crazed leftist. Mm -hmm. But his liberty score, based on his actual voting, 58%. That's crazy. We almost got Jim Jordan, 94%. But you can see why the establishment was so adamant against him. Absolutely, because he would have... He would have hardlined all of the stuff that would actually probably help help the American people. I'm a Jim Jordan guy, so I can... Yeah. I'm going to broadly make that statement. Then we almost got Emmer, Tom Emmer, who was 69%. Again, a little bit more, mm-hmm. but when you see what's in that 69, what's in what's in that 69% that he, uh, that he doesn't support, bad stuff. Not, not yeah. a conservative. Right. So now we have Mike Johnson, 74% this term, apparently 80% over his entire career. Without a doubt, better than what we started with. We went from a 54% conservative rating to a 74%. And here's some good news. We'll talk about some of the things that he is, without a doubt, more conservative on than anyone else other than Jordan. Um, he apparently has received an F in terms of GOP representatives who support Ukraine funding. Oh. So he has failed. Hmm. So uh, that's actually a good hmm. fail. That's yeah. from the special interests who are grading Republicans sure. based on how much they support Ukraine. He apparently doesn't. We'll see if that rings true now or if he gets dragged into that that establishment wing now um he's pro life he is pro gun fantastic he also challenged the legitimacy of the 2020 election he was one of the congressmen that signed on to those challenges mm-hmm. like I, I i didn't know if i was sold on him because there was some things that uh, listen anyone in the gop leadership is automatically suspect <laughs> sorry it's sad i mean it's yeah. true and I, yeah, I agree with that statement. Like, what, what did you have to do? What do you? Have, what part of your soul did you have to sell to get into that little cabal? Automatically suspect. But then I see all of the leftist organizations coming out to oppose him. You mm-hmm. see the gun control groups saying that he's too radical on guns, mm-hmm. right? You you see uh, 
the liberals saying that he didn't believe he believed the 2020 election was stolen. There was a clip making rounds where a reporter asked him whether he was going to like uh, backtrack on his claims and the Republicans just booed, booed the reporter. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these people up here who would have given a very different answer about 2020 election fraud. Sure. So there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of good news in this. Now, is it is it perfect? No. No. Could have been better. But in terms of what we came from, in terms of what we now have, I think that there's an obvious improvement. He's. I want to see the way he's going to act, because if he, he does the majority of conservative things, you know, once you start wielding that power, you, you've got a person that power corrupts, you know, but you, you also have the gavel now. So we'll see what he starts pushing forward. If a lot of this is uh, really conservative issues that he starts pushing to the forefront, you'll know at least he's acting in that realm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the GOP, you know, whether they're all on board on that, I won't be able to, to say until the time comes. But let's see how he acts, Max. Let's see how he conducts himself. What what actually hits the makes the floor? What actually gets up there for a vote? Right. He's got the power now. How is he going to wield it? And yeah. I, I'm glad it's not a McCarthy up there because, I mean, he was he was not wielding power. He gave away leverage on everything, Max. I mean, it, McCarthy was just, a, he just gave stuff up, which is essentially why he was removed. So let's see how this guy operates. I mean, is he going to, is going to be kind of one of those iron fist guys that always put stuff up there? Is there going to be a lot of um, aisle dealing, right? Are, are there, is this going to be quid pro quo with the other yeah. side on things? Is it going to be business as usual? Or are we going to see a change? Are we going to actually see some real conservative pushes and movement happen on him as speaker of the house, which would be nice to see, right? Yeah. Because I mean, we've had so much liberal causes coming out, I mean, liberal push coming out of the, the last speaker that, I'm hoping for the best. I hope he at least moves with a strong conservative hand Yeah, on what he does. We'll um, see. A lot of people who are, are like border hawks who want border security, they're mm. happy about this Mike Johnson pick. Um, so that's good news. And like I, I've been looking through just some of the things that he's done this year. One yeah. of the bills that he co-sponsored was um, HR 5110, Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act. There was a provision in an earlier bill that had been mm-hmm. passed into law that prohibited federal funding from going to any school that had hunting edu- hunting clubs, hunting teams, trap shooting teams, or archery teams. So lots of schools will have like a hunting club where the kids will go out and they'll hunt or a trap shooting where the kids want to be professional trap shooters, yeah. target shooting, archery, archery club. So there were schools that were forced to tell their kids, sorry, you can no longer have this club, no longer have this sport because federal funding was being denied. And that was the Biden administration loosely interpreting what the actual bill's language was to shut down these hunting programs, hunting education programs in school. And so Mike Johnson was one of the many, not not the only one, but one of the many Republicans who signed on to this, 72, only 72 co-sponsored it. So at least among there, he's 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 one of the good ones, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see, but a lot of good news, a lot of hope. Yeah. Much more hope than than these other people that, other than Jim Jordan, the other ones we just went with, what they would have brought because they were all more liberal than him. You know, they were were they just trying to find somebody who's got that that mix of conservative and, li- I mean, liberal along with. I mean, what was the cabal thinking inside of there? Because there's there's a happy little club inside the Republican Party who are trying to really wield that power. Yeah. And well, 
you've got to please that group. Yeah, no, it, it's we, gonna, yeah. it's probably going to depend on what he's what he's already given up to yeah. be in the GOP leadership already. Yeah, um, we don't know what that is because it's all closed door deals when they're all playing bowling downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy. It was he had the dumbest little dance for that, and I was like, really, man, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. You just happened to be invited to the White House the same day you refused to vote for the only cons- the conservative on All the right. ballot. Stayed for dinner, had a good time. Yeah. We know why people. you were invited. We yeah. know why you're invited. Enjoy. Well, we are out it, of time. Yeah. Give you the last word because I just cut you off. It. At some point, you have to remember that. You can't go after your political enemies just because you don't like what they stand for. You know, we've seen that for a really long time. And we've seen this this bitter politics, this weaponization of the DOJ to go after our political opponents. And if our politicians keep setting this standard, we're not going to have a country that operates anymore. We're not going to have our system. We're not going to have a representative republic. So be careful really pushing your side to say, yeah, go after your enemies, go after your enemies, because... If it's a pendulum like anything, it's going to swing back and it will bite you in the ass. Yeah. And the other the other side of that coin is that if you're someone like Donald Trump who has been campaigning on holding corrupt officials like Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. accountable for their crimes and you get into office and you say, hey, for the for the good of the country, I'm not going to pursue that anymore. Don't expect the other side to do that as well. No. Because I think if Donald Trump knew what was happening to him now, he never would have entered office and agreed not to go after his political opponents for the crimes they committed. Um, Could have, would have, should have. That's it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you support some of our sponsors in the description. Lots of craziness in the world. You got to go to PrepSOS.com. Our friends over at PrepSOS.com. They have all different survival and emergency gear, food, equipment. I stocked up over there with my ReadyWise emergency food supply. You can get yours there as well. And when you do, make sure you use promo code MAX to get 5% off and help support the show. We get a little commission when you go and do that. Um, Lots of other links in the description. Check them out. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. We're on YouTube, Rumble. Um, That's where we stream live. But we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, Podbean, all those places. Check the links in the description and do subscribe there. Help us prove out those numbers. That's it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And I'm Josh Hammerling. And remember the fight to take back the country and take back the GOP isn't over. <laughs> but the only way we win is if we all step and fight together. See you next time. See yeah. ya.